each and every Friday on 610 ESPN, ready to help you move into the weekend, talking about all of the news in the world of sports. Jeff, as we head into this Father's Day weekend, how are you doing? Any special plans? We're going to hit a Texas Rangers game. Me and you? No. All right, Dad. Me and my son. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then I'll, I'm willing to take requests because we're going to go do a tour of the Dallas Cowboy Stadium. Yeah, mine so, can't be said on the air. So <laughs> that's okay. So anybody, any 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 Eagles fans who would like to make any requests for things I should do while I'm in the stadium, keep them PG. We'll talk but. when the show ends. <laughs> <laughs> um, that that'll be fun. You and your son going out for a couple days to spend yeah. it together. I'll make sure to see whether or not in an empty stadium, if you yell "Dallas sucks," if it actually echoes, echoes loud enough. Yeah. Maybe you could have him record it. Take the equipment with you. <laughs> and we'll we'll play it on the show next time when we when we come back. It'll be great. Um, that'll be a good time. You, uh-huh. and, you and your son enjoy doing baseball together. That's kind of your thing. Uh-huh. Like you guys go and hang out all different stadiums, all different places. It's it's one of the things and, we like to talk about. And then in between, we'll be watching the U.S. Open golf while you're watching some other sport. Yeah. What do you have against watches. What do you have against soccer, man? I got nothing against it. It's just something that I don't know anything about. Soccer and short people. You hate them both. Hey, not true. All right. Let's before we get into the U.S. Open, let's talk a little World Cup. You, you know something? You ever like when you listen to people on the radio, you kind of picture what they like. I'm sure people are picturing a, <laughs> picturing a really short person when they think of me. I don't think that that's difficult yeah, to figure out. Yeah, but by the time out. they meet you, you, you've made yourself out to be so short. That I, I exceed expectations. That's right. So, see, I, that's okay. Welcome uh-huh. to my rule of life. If you set the <laughs> bar so low, you will always exceed what people expect. Well, wait till people find out you're really 6'2. <laughs> yeah, the, I, in my dreams, would I be 6'2? <laughs> I'd kill for another inch to be 5'7 on a good day, okay? So, and I mean, it's funny. We'll talk later in the segment. We were, we were out at Lakewood last night. Uh, the pitcher walked by for the night, and he was 6'10", <laughs> and that's a whole foot taller than me, <laughs> plus some. And I'm looking up going, wow, he's tall. <laughs> everybody says that about that guy. Then again, everybody's yeah. tall to me. All right, so you're not anti-soccer. No, I'll, I'll But you're not geared it. up for the World Cup. No, for, I, I oh. need a story. I'm like, I'm like somebody who watches the Olympics. I need a story. Do you want to talk World Cup 2018 first or World Cup 2026? Pick your pick your year, Wait, Jeff. How many of these do I have to talk about? Well, one of them will oh, happen in your. What, what happened to twenty twenty two? Why why are we skipping one? Because one of them will happen in your backyard, and the yeah. other one will go on on your TV now. It's not happening in my backyard. Well, close. If those close guys enough. show up in my backyard, I'll hit the road, guys. <laughs> close enough. So yeah. let, let's do before we in get into the current one. Uh, the they awarded the twenty twenty six World Cup to North American bid. So here's a question I have, okay? <laughs> I, I am concerned to know where you're going with that question. So in 2022, which you didn't bring up, yeah. it's in the tiny little country of Qatar. Yes. Q-U-A-T-A-R, Thank right? Thank you for the spelling lesson. Okay. The whole World Cup is in this little tiny country, right? Yeah. And yet in 2026, our huge country of the United States and the huge company, country of Canada and the huge country of Mexico couldn't get their own. This, this whole continent has to share one? What is going on? Well, I mean, there were some questions about previous bids that were handed out. and there. Oh, were, and I'm sure there's there, none about this there, bid, There right? were some FIFA indictments that occurred previously. <laughs> I was trying to, like, keep a high note here. You know, play started this year yeah. in Russia where 
one of the stadiums was not large enough. So did you see that they built like this big stands? They like cut out one side of the stadium and built stands that like go up. It literally looks like you're watching on a television. You're sitting at the top and all you see is the rectangular I'm, opening I'm to the sure field in the really stadium. I'm sure that's really safe. I, when you get off the air, yeah. you know, if you're listening uh, in your car when you arrive or someplace, Google uh, Russian Stadium with additional stairs at the World Cup, and the stands are just unbelievable. I, I, I would like to know if you would sit up there. Please tell me that you're searching no, on your I'm iPad not, right now while there's we no, do that. There's no, there's no way I'm sitting up there. So in I don't even have to look. So, Jeff, I know you're counting down. Just yeah. over 2,900 days <laughs> till, till World Cup 2026. Yeah. Can you bring in the chart next week so we can start counting it down? We'll, we'll rip off it, days. It'll be like an advent calendar with a whole bunch of days on it. I, I am saying it kind of seriously, though. Yeah. They're going to expand to 48 teams. Uh, I know you had a joke about why. <laughs> Go ahead. I have a suspicion that one, because I didn't know this before you told me, that the reason they might be expanding it is so that Canada and the U.S. can make it. This is the problem discussing soccer with people who are not soccer fans. Yeah. You don't take anything I say seriously right now. Uh, are you are you doubting that that's a possibility as to why they expanded it? I'm doubting your sincerity. <laughs> it has nothing to do with No, I sincerely believe it. <laughs> So they're gonna they're gonna go to eighty games in all. Yeah. Sixty of them will be in the U.S. Twenty will be split between Canada and Mexico. Wait, how many will be in the U.S.? Sixty, and only twenty will be in Canada. In Canada and Mexico combined. And, uh, combined, and nothing after the quarterfinals. So everything else will be in the U.S. And the potential likely final would be at MetLife Stadium up in northern New Jersey. Would you go? Sure. Yeah, I, I I mean I've been to one of the ones that they had over at Lincoln Financial Field. It was a exhibition those, games. They call it a friendly. A friendly. Yeah. Look at you with your soccer linda, lingo. <laughs> so I, I know you were excited before yeah. the show started when you called it the pitch. Yeah. See, there you go. That's like your total uh -huh. soccer language for the day. I, I'm not calling it football. Well, you'll get there. Not going to happen. Um, I, I'm kind of excited about it. I I enjoy. Look, I know that soccer is a niche sport in the U.S. Right. I get that. I don't have any preconceived ideas. Like I'm not the person that says after this World Cup everybody's gonna be playing soccer. You know, I, I think it's good. They for said this. that they said that after the last time the World Cup was here. Yeah, I don't think this year it's gonna happen because a lot of people aren't gonna watch because the US isn't playing. But right. we'll get to that in a second. But but being here in the States, you'll have people that will get to see games and see a different side of the game. It's different when you're live and the, the atmosphere with the crowd is kind of fun and exciting. See, I, I don't think that Unlike the last time the World Cup was here, I don't think that it's going to suffer as much just because the U.S. isn't in it because so many people – I'm being serious now. I'm not being sarcastic. So many people actually do watch European soccer now. So, I mean, my, my kid and all his friends have played FIFA for years. I always wondered how they knew who these guys were. And, and now you can turn on on a weekend. They're on major networks. You can watch – all of these, the Champions League, the whatever I have friends that wake up very early on the weekend to watch yeah. some Champions League soccer and post about it. And I wish it's I wish our football would be it, on that early. It's funny that you mentioned the video games because you asked me, you know, how I got into soccer. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's Father's Day this weekend. My grandfather played soccer growing up in Germany and then here in the States after serving. He stayed a huge soccer fan, so he used to have tapes, like VHS tapes, uh, that were time-marked for every World Cup game that had play been played going back to the 80s. And I'm going to blow your mind. Ready? What? Was Franz Beckenbauer on one of those? Uh, you know the name. It's, it's impressive. I've seen him. It's impressive. He play, didn't he play for the Cosmos? Oh, now you're testing me. Yeah. I saw Pele play for the Cosmos. Okay. Yeah, see, there you go. So you're a soccer fan now. 
No, I just said I saw it. <laughs> you just saw it. it and it's always I cool. Like I used to, it. I used to go to my grandfather's and, and he would put on like older games from that he liked from previous World Cups, and we would watch together. And that was just kind of our thing. We would watch the games, and it was pretty cool to be able to do that. So for me, that's where I got hooked on soccer, and then I was playing it. But you mentioned the video games, and like through college and a little bit after, that's how I stayed up on it. Along with watching, I learned the players by playing them in FIFA. <laughs> In the in the video game, and so, so who did you who who did you? I was play France as? a lot actually. Zinedine Zidane was very good. What? He's a player on right. France, Jeff. Okay. Don't I know? I'm not trying. There's o- there's only so far I can go with this. Okay, so you won't be watching. The games are in I Russia. W- I'll watch some of it. W- is like, there a like point? I watched last time when when Iceland started to go far because there was a story there for me. So if there isn't a story, like, you know, there's people who like, oh, I'll watch it when it's the finals, when it's like basketball or hockey or something like that. that do you I reach do that, that point where there's no. like a certain point in the tournament and you're like, okay, or you're just like, if there isn't a story, I'm not interested. Exactly. I mean, it, it, this is one of those things that like, if you, if you tell me like Spain and Portugal are playing right now, I think it's a tie, but, but you know, Ronaldo got a hat trick. People keep telling me those are two of two of the best teams. If they were in the finals, I wouldn't just turn it on because Ronaldo's in it and some other famous players in it. That doesn't interest me. I I need something. If I don't have, a, I need to have a rooting interest of some sort, even if it's minimal. So if the U.S. was in the tournament, the you'd have been watching. Absolutely, every game. Mm, no, I can't. So say you're that. you're sort of the casual fan that gets interested when there's a rooting interest. Yeah, much like a lot of people who watch the Olympics, and that much like a it. lot of fans yeah. here in the states. Mm-hmm. I mean, they you know there is that passionate fan base for soccer, uh, but you know in addition there's that sort of second and third ring of people who will get into it when there's something that excites them about it, and then when they're not moved by it, they'll migrate to other sports. You know who's at the door? Who? The person who says that we've been talking about soccer way too long. Yeah, look at you. <laughs> I was trying to be fair. I was trying to give it a little time. Yeah. I'm going to bring it up again are you, next are you, week. Are you going to yell out? The, can you do the goal chant, the thing? Nobody wants to hear that yeah, in their okay. car. Are you going to bring a Vuvuzela? He probably gets paid very well to say goal, just like <laughs> Michael Buffer gets paid very well to say let's get ready to rumble. Yeah, and you know what? He was pretty weak during the Ve- the Vegas Knights during the final. During the let's get ready yeah, to rumble? I wasn't very impressed with his let's get ready to rumble. Well, the one last thing on the World Cup, what happened at the like opening ceremony with the national anthem? <laughs> did, did, did I hear correctly that they had a singer from Great Britain who I don't know this guy, Robbie Williams, but apparently his most famous song is Live Like a Russian, but they wouldn't let him sing it. So he sang two other songs, and then for some reason he decided to flip his, one of his fingers at the camera. And that for hundreds of millions of people. That didn't get you interested to watch? No, but what was that about? I don't get. First of all, why, why, did they, why didn't they have a Russian singer? Then why would they let the great British singer? Sing the song that wa- he's famous I, for. I watch for the soccer, Jeff. Okay. I don't watch for the Whoa. the entertainment. No, no. Well, the that's football. Not, I is, know. I is, get it. No, no. That's not what you said when it came to the Vegas Golden Knights ten minute pregame spectacle. No, I didn't watch for the spectacle. I watched for the hockey. <laughs> but I I was staying and watching the spectacle yeah. as I was looking at the hockey. Uh, can we talk about the Sixers? We can. Can we talk about the draft? So Brian Colangelo is gone. Yeah. Brett Brown's in charge. Are you sure? Is Brian Colangelo gone or just his Twitter accounts? Both. <laughs> Is he like somewhere still in the building tweeting in a, cl- <laughs> in a closet? <laughs> right, hiding someplace. <laughs> Brett Brown is in charge now. Yep. Uh, the Sixers re-upped Rashawn Holmes and TJ McConnell. Any surprise there? No, because they were restricted. Uh, the, the Sixers had a player option. So, so no, su- was, no surprise that they no. decided to keep them. No. Uh, we are now... It's, pr- s- it's probably not a lot of money. We are now 16 days from free agency. 
more importantly, we're six, six days, days away from the draft. From the draft. But yeah. I think one impacts the other significantly. Okay, so it's a chicken and egg, though. Well, I mean, if you're the Spurs and you're looking to move Kawhi Leonard, you're going to want a draft pick along with other players yeah. because apparently Kawhi doesn't want to stay there. So if but you're the Kawhi, Sixers with the 10th pick, that might... So I think one's no. going to dictate what yeah, happens yeah, with the, the other. Yeah, but the problem today was is that Kawhi not only said that he wanted to trade, supposedly, but said he only wanted to go two places. Yeah, Paul George didn't want to go where he was sent from Indiana to explain to me why Greg Popovich is going to send that player to the Lakers. That's the part that doesn't make sense to me. The team still has the controlling option. He can want out, right. but he still has a year left on his deal. Well, so he, he can hold them over a barrel for it, and they yeah. can take pennies on the dollar. Mm -hmm. But if I'm the Spurs, do I make that trade to well, make the Lakers better and potentially set up another super team in L.A. that you're going to have to well, compete this against? Well, this is always the general manager's dilemma, is when you have somebody who makes that demand, what do you do? You don't want to give in to the demand, but at the same time, do you want to end up with nothing? Because that's what happened. Well, but the, it's well, not on, but that's something or nothing. It's yeah. one package versus another no, package. No, not necessarily. Because if if they can't find a deal, then and and Kawhi Leonard doesn't give a wink, wink, and a nod, nod that he's gonna he's gonna re up, then you're only getting him for a year, well, and the, then he's going to L.A. or New York anyway. The, look what happened with KD. Oklahoma City got nothing for him. The Lakers aren't the only team that will want Kawhi. So lots of teams will want him, but if Kawhi <clears> doesn't <throat> say that he's going to commit, he'll be a free agent after this year. So there's if he doesn't commit, why would there's you give going a bunch to be a team that takes a chance on him for one year? I mean, the Lakers have assets, even without agreement. I happen to believe that a team will take a chance on him for okay, a year. Okay, so if you're Popovich and you can get Kyle Kuzma, and I don't know, think of two other players and the Laker, a Lakers draft pick, do you do that? Knowing that you're going to lose Kawhi anyway, okay. even if he's going to someone in your If you're house. any other person other than Popovich, yeah. I'd say yes. But he seems to hate the Lakers. Don't you remember years ago when Pau Gasol was traded out to the Lakers so that they went on that run and he uh -huh. like went off about it? Like he just, he's got a bug about the Lakers. I wouldn't be, I'd be less surprised if he tried to trade him to the Clippers if he wants to go to L.A. than the Lakers. He just, he, but he just seems to have a thing about the Lakers. So I don't know whether. Pop would do that or okay, what he would then, do. Okay, then let's, let's talk Philadelphia-centric. If you're the Sixers, would you trade for Kawhi Leonard? I don't like it for a one-year deal. Hold on. Hold on. Let me finish my you trade. You say I never have an opinion. I give you an opinion I know, for you. Even finish the question, well, that's it. now you're, it's not good you're enough. You're giving me an opinion before I even tell you what it, what it is. I know so, what you're asking. So if, 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 the, if you have to give up two real pieces, if you have to give up Dario Saric and Markel Fultz in a first-round pick, for do, a do rental do, for or a re with the well, it's a rental because I don't, he can't commit. He can he can do the wink, he can but he tell can't you sign that anything. he's going to stay there. Yeah, but he can go out back on it. If you know, and, and do you trust him after what he pulled last year? Because the the rumor is is that he just sat out healthy. There are concerns on every level. He's had health issues in the past. There was questions last year about him sitting out and wanting to be there. The short term, long term nature of it. What you're giving up now? Again, people are going to say, "Well, Markel Fultz didn't do anything," and right now he can't even decide if he wants to play in summer ball. Which, my opinion, is get your butt out on the court. Learn how to play some professional what basketball. What happened when he played summer league last year? You know what? At he some point, you got to take, you you take the bubble. Uh -oh. You got to take the bubble wrap off these guys. They need to learn how to play ball and be pros. And I, I don't want to hear case, that. He needs to learn how no, to shoot the, the reason that they're not going to send him to summer ball is because you of got the opinions is mean. because of the ego hit that it's going to take from being a number one draft pick that goes back to summer ball for the next year. Mm -hmm. It has nothing to do with worrying about his health or his shoulder or his ankle. He'd find his shot. 
but they don't want to do that because it might upset him because he's a draft pick. And no, it, because he might no, I think they they don't want to do it because they're afraid that he might not find a shot immediately. And then well, wouldn't it be better to know that? Wouldn't it be better to finally know what you have or what you well, don't it, have? It, it depends because then he becomes a worthless trade chip, right? He's already a worthless trade. No, chip. not necessarily. I don't think you he is think right he now. has value right yeah. now because I don't. Yes, he does. You know, I don't care how many videos they put out of him dunking the ball until he can shoot the ball outside of the paint. <laughs> I don't think he has the value that people think. So you can throw him in on a deal where they're looking for the 10th pick in Sarich, right. but he's not the key to any deal that goes down. He's an add-on. He's a prospect Somehow, that they hope to get. Somehow the whole league, except for Danny Ainge, thought he was the best player in the draft last year, right? I found that very interesting. Did what? you hear this week where they were trying to pin it on Brian Colangelo that he was the one who wanted to draft Fultz and overruled everybody? So who did he, who did he want to pin it on? I don't know, but uh, I, I don't understand. Are the Sixers saying they wouldn't have taken that, him? That the team wouldn't have taken him, and Colangelo right. overruled everybody. Now, now, now wait, 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 I no, always no, wonder no, who fine. benefits when these things are leaked. Like, yeah. who who is the person that benefits from a leak like that coming out? Clearly, Nobody. the Sixers. Don't, no, the team who benefits the oh. Sixers that are left who don't want to be on the hook for what could be a bad bust draft pick if he doesn't well, pan see, out. But that, that's that's short sighted because if you if you're a guy if you have any management in the Sixers and you are now putting out there that the people that are left didn't want Markel Fultz, Markel Fultz is not going to be happy. Right, and nobody's going to believe you anyway. So there's you don't you don't badmouth your own people for any reason, Public, publicly or privately on Twitter. <laughs> you don't do it on your first, second, and third Twitter accounts. You might do it on your fourth. And on seven. your fourth, How's or that? is that better? All right, let's let's get into. You want to talk some draft picks for a second? I do. Well, you think that the Sixers are going to keep the tenth pick and potentially have the twenty sixth pick? It seems like correct. I would think so. So, what are your priorities, knowing that the Shoot. team is Shoot. where it is right now? You want shooters. Shooter. Are you and more shooters? Do you like Mikhail Bridges because he's a hometown no. guy that you've seen, no, or I like, is it I like the... him because he's good and he's he's got the body for the position, and he fits right into the formula. Okay, you know it. It's a puzzle. There's a piece that's needed. He fits that puzzle piece. They thought that Fultz would fit that piece, be the shooter. I, I didn't. You didn't. I didn't say he... they. I didn't say you did. I said they did. In fact, I don't remember He's you being a... in favor of drafting Fultz at the time, really. No, I actually wanted Tatum. <laughs> <laughs> like, if I remember right, um, you were not the gung-ho for Fultz train. No, and, and my reason wasn't I didn't know that he would forget how to shoot a basketball. My, my reason was that he was playing on a losing team for one year and hadn't shown me anything. And they hadn't, yeah, the team hadn't done right. anything. I, I was worried about a losing about cultivating a losing mentality because Ben Simmons also the, came That was your argument the year before is right. that Simmons came out of LSU not being able to carry his team to the tournament yeah. and you and had the Fultz, same concerns about I think had about seven wins when, when he was at Washington. So obviously you don't have that concern with Bridges. What about Lonnie Walker out of Miami? That's another guy you have listed or Michael Porter out of Missouri. Lonnie Walker is like, I mean, everybody keeps talking about him. He keeps moving up the board, but he's, he's a 6'4 Is guy. he a workout warrior? I mean, that's he's six I, four with a six ten well, wingspan. Not, well, that's it. The, the, we're now to the point. It's just like in baseball with all these analytics. It's now the wingspan, and I get why you'd want to have guys with longer arms. Like I'm five six. That would mean that I'd have like a six foot. Like that, that's a lot. Yeah, that's you'd awkward. Have very long arm, but it but it creates additional height when you're playing defense. So there's there is a benefit to it. There are college teams. Jim Beheim has for years recruited players 
that have a, a larger wingspan than your average wingspan. But and he supposedly can shoot, so I take him. The guy that I the guy that I will be sitting there on draft night rooting for is that Michael Porter Jr. falls okay. because last year before the season the college season started, he was one of those guys that looked like he was going to be the number one player taken. He has some medical issues, which by the way we've dealt with them before, so I'm kind of numb to it. I think. Aren't but we he, like a mash unit to right. begin with? So it's he, just another player we can redshirt this yeah, year. Yeah, exactly. No, but I I mean, it sounds like he's healthy. They're, they're going through all of his medical records like, you know, with a fine-tooth comb. But if he makes it to 10, he's 6'10", and he's a small forward. I mean, that's the guy that you want to plug into this spot. I know you want to move on to U.S. Open golf. However, Uh-oh. you have the 26 pick, and mm-hmm. you threw a name down there mm-hmm. that made me choke for a second. And I'm having a hard time with this. Uh, it's no secret so that I'm not a Duke fan. Uh, accepting JJ Redick was a big thing for me. Um, be, be but nice. now you're trying Whoa. to come back we, at me. We may have a Duke guy on next week. So I know. Nice. But now you're trying to come back at me again with yeah. Grayson Allen. That's a tough one to swallow. No, I, I asked the question. Would you if if Grayson Allen, he's very likely going to be there in or drafted in that area, 25 to 30 kind of area. If Grayson Allen is there, he is a great shooter. There's no question about that. He's got some real character issues. He seems to like to trip people. Is he anything more of a backup in this league, though? No. I mean, yes. I think I think that he has the potential. He's He's got some height. I think that he – the way watching him play, and I've watched him play in a lot of games where he wasn't suspended, he, <laughs> he, he he's a, a pretty darn good player and would fit well – you know, coming off the bench. The question is, do you want that? Is you he, don't is think he gonna mature? Is he just always gonna be this obnoxious guy who's tripping people? And and do we accept it if he's our guy you, that he's well, doing? I find that people are willing to accept everything if he's your guy. It doesn't matter. I mean Delavadova, the people in Cleveland loved love him, him when and he everybody was there. else Hate can't him. stand him. Um and I'll give you another example. Go ahead. Who's the guy out in in uh Draymond Green? Of course. People would love him if they were on a team. But right. I just don't think, given the financial situation, trying to get free agents, yeah. they're going to want to pay another draft pick. I just think they're going to do a draft and stash again. No, they and got, they got six picks. I, I understand. I think they're going to trade. You some can't of them. draft and stash five guys. Well, I think you can. P- twos are basically worthless at this point in this league. You package them to get into the first, then be able to trade a one. So I wouldn't be surprised if they trade like twenty six and two twos to try and get something where then they can stash and they they cut it down or trade back in future years to get additional so you're, picks. So you're worried that Grayson Allen might take up too much cap room? No, I just don't think they're going to want another player that they have to pay on the team on the bench they ha- because they they're going They have a lot of empty spots. I, I know they do. I, I don't... Well, they also gonna, have Bolden's going to come over. You're going to have right, Cork Moss there. Right. I mean, you're going to have players on the team already there. Those are bodies. Regardless of who you sign free agency. Right. You know, we haven't mentioned LeBron... He's, he's not going to be out there. He's not coming here. Well, by the You're way, the one who weighed me. Wait a second. By the Hold way, well, on. His, you well, made his, me go well, through his the. Widow, will his widow finger be okay you by the time? You made me go through this whole false thing about would you trade for LeBron in the right. middle of the year? And finally, the year's over, and now it's time to talk about where he's actually going to go. And you're gonna, yeah. He's not going to go here. I didn't say it like that. You definitely <laughs> did. You absolutely he's busy. did. He's going to the Iron Pigs <laughs> to play baseball. They hope. That's some great marketing effort by the Iron Pigs to continue to try and get LeBron out there. And Jeff keeps tweeting. Tweeting at Jason Stark to see who if he would be one of the taller 
uh, no, baseball players. No, don't talk players. about that now. That that goes. We'll, we'll talk. We'll, we'll talk about, about that later. That later. Yeah. All right, let's move on to a little U.S. Open golf. Tough start for Tiger, but then again, it was a tough start for everybody on that bear I, of a I course. I love this tournament. Do you do you like? I love seeing professionals suffer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like. It makes me feel <laughs> that wasn't where I was going. With, it makes me feel human to uh-huh. watch people who do this for a living and are so skilled yeah. be ready to throw their club in the woods like I am mm-hmm. when I'm out there on a course. Last year, have you done that? Have you thrown your clubs? No, no. but I've thrown. I've put the ball. I played there. with a guy who once threw his whole bag in the in the, in the lake. Oh, I've played with people <laughs> who have done things. You got to remember, I grew up caddying. And as a cart boy, and then I drove the tractor that everybody aims at as the target at the driving range. Did you caddy for Judge Smales? No. <laughs> yeah, but I've seen like everything yeah. at a, a golf course. So, you know, it, I've, I've seen all that stuff. But if you look at it last year at Aaron Hills, they had 44 players under par in the first round. That yesterday, was an anomaly. Yesterday, they had four players under par, one at one under. There's only one left. The only person left Dustin that's under Johnson. par is Dustin Johnson, that's it. who's minus four. That's your boy. Every. Well, he's not my boy, but he's he's having a, a heck of a tournament so far. And you know what's amazing? If you look at Dustin Johnson's game a few years ago versus now, he was the guy that would just wail at the ball, and he could hit it a mile. And now he's become this conservative golfer, and on this kind of golf course, not making mistakes is what matters. You can't – you don't play for winners, and that's what bothers people. They look at this tournament and they go, well, this is no fun. Why? Because it's hard? Because you're not seeing guys make lots of birdies? What you should do is you should be looking at it as, as a par is a birdie. So if they make a par, that's impressive because this the course is long, it's hard, the greens are all crazy. I mean, it, it's, it, it's the ultimate challenge, it's, and I wouldn't want to watch professional golf year-round like this, but this is, that's what the U.S. Open was it, and that's what it should be is – this is a challenge of every aspect of your It's game. funny. You're more the traditional sports fan. You're the traditional golf fan in terms of the old low person? score. No, I didn't say that. And I'm not trying to say that. The lower scores with the more difficult courses as opposed to just dominating a course and putting up like a no, 20 I like under both. par. I like but, both. But like if you look at baseball, like you like a good pitcher's duel. Some people I, will think I it's boring when there's a 0-0 game. You're into Someone's it. Someone's pitching a the, shutout. The, I'm going to get my food and, and so, when they're batting. Like you have kind of a similar idea with that. Like you mm-hmm. like the concept of the challenge in theory behind what's going on, the mental part, the struggle, as opposed to just seeing somebody blow it out of the park or dominate a course for a day and put up some record numbers under par and around, mm-hmm. it seems. What, what's your, which would you prefer? Like, if you had your chance to see somebody run away with it or see the whole pack tied at one under par? Well, I, w- I want close is what I want. I don't care what the So you want parity, but you don't care what level that parity's at. No. Like I if they're all 10 under, you're be, cool with because, that. Because look, I I go to tournaments. Last year we covered the the President's Cup. I I mean, golf, if you play golf, golf is hard to appreciate if you don't play it. Not because of any like snobbery. It it's it's really you have to go out there and see what it's like to try to hit the little white ball and keep it straight and 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 you know, figure out what club you're going to use. Once you've played, all you have to do is play a couple rounds, and then you watch them, and they are so good at what they do. The skill is unbelievable. Yeah, and, and if you haven't had a chance, go to a golf tournament, even a you know a smaller one, and just watch them play, and 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 you're just impressed. So, 
to me, whether or not it's a hard course and their final score is minus one after four or minus 17 after four, it doesn't really make a difference to me because I'll still appreciate those great shots. And you'll be watching regardless of Tiger. Like, you're, the, you're not the guy that needs Tiger in it. No, to I don't attention. need Tiger in it. I mean, look, it's, it's better for golf when Tiger's in it, but Tiger's older now anyway. It's not like Tiger's going to start, come back and be Tiger from, you know, 15 years ago or even 10 years ago. He's never going to be that guy. He might win a tournament here or there. I think that's it's likely he will. But it's he's never going to be the dominant person. What it's a, a bummer is that Jordan Spieth is way back and Rory McIlroy, all the young guys that we're used to, those are the guys that are way back other than Dustin Johnson. And if if you only have Dustin Johnson, I don't think that pe- many people will be watching on Sunday. Well, you will have to watch from Dallas and keep us updated on what goes on. We'll talk more about it next week. And it's in New York, so if anybody wants to drive on up there, it's, Jeff's, it's not far. Jeff's willing to give you a ride. No, I'll be in Dallas. <laughs> but uh, what I was going to do is volunteer. You're going to volunteer me to yeah. give rides. Yeah. Uh, we're going to head to break. When we come back, you can hear about Jeff getting up and close with the Lakewood Blue Claws mascot last night. Stick with us. Are you looking for a lifeline? Verizon New Jersey Shares Communication Lifeline is a statewide nonprofit that provides assistance to individuals and families living in New Jersey, those who are in need of temporary help in paying their communication and energy bills. Want to know how to apply? All you need to do is call Verizon New Jersey Shares at 1-888-337-3339 or visit on the web at www.NewJerseyShares.org. It's quick and easy to sign up, but remember, you must be a Verizon Residential Landline customer to apply for eligible programs. That's Verizon New Jersey Shares, keeping the lines of communication open for you and your family. Taking you into the weekend with the latest news in the world of sports. With the biggest names on and off the field. It's the heart of sports each and every Friday at 4 p.m. on 610 ESPN. With former players, reporters, and commentators like Adam Schefter, John Runyon, Keith Jones, Trey Thomas, and Doug Glanville, Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen cover the agony and ecstasy of fandom while weaving in conversations about the impact of sports on society. That's the heart of sports, Fridays at 4 p.m. Welcome back to High Hopes, our Phillies minor league rundown. Jeff, um, you got some quality time with the mascot Why for the Lakewood Blue me? Claws last night. Well, we both did, but yeah. you, you had a nice conversation. I just to be the same height as, <laughs> as, as Buster. Again, with the height yeah. comments. Uh, we, we did have a nice conversation with Buster. <laughs> we did. It just was a lot of trying to figure out his hand signals, and I don't even think he has For our listeners, fingers. watching Jeff try and sign language basically with a mascot with a uniform on was, was pretty entertaining. I might have to take video next time <laughs> just for people because Jeff was truly trying to carry on a conversation, and the mascot was completely interested in having it. He just couldn't talk. <laughs> You're the one who wants to interview him for the show. And I said, how are we going to do it? The friend of the mascot. Look, I happen to think that mascots are a huge part for kids at some of these games. And I enjoy some of the stories they have. Look, you were at the game last Sunday with your son for the Phillies, tweeting about the girl asking about the green puppet that was out there, asking the Phillies to come by with the fanatic. You should have heard this girl. This little girl is sitting behind us and she's going, Mommy, Daddy, where's the green puppet? I want to see the green puppet. And they're like, what are you talking about? The green puppet that's always at the Phillies games. <laughs> they go, oh, you mean the Fanatic? Yes. So I'm sitting there. And I, so I kept saying, come on, let's go. Get the Fanatic So Jeff's here. tweeting at the Phillies and anybody who might listen, <laughs> I this little see, girl really wants to see the puppet. <laughs> I, I wanted to see what this girl's reaction was going to be to the puppet standing on top, like right, right above her. So Jeff, how did we end up in Lakewood last night? 
How do we end there? You, other than you driving. kind of shoot other, down Other than driving. Why, why were we back uh, in Lakewood last For night? a good cause. I mean, uh, Lakewood, I mean, I have an affinity for that place. I've been going there for, you know, 12 years or so. It's a great place to see a game. It's a fun it's right stadium. Da- it's right down by the shore. You, you hit down there. You go to Point Pleasant. You can go to Asbury Park. It was a perfect night out for a yeah, game, too. it was. But, but they did something amazing, which was for the community, which was a, a military appreciation night. They flew in a helicopter right outside the stadium. I think you they were upset invited. you didn't get there early enough to watch it land, weren't you? Yeah. You that, were kind of like was, a little kid tr- about that. You were really excited. For I was our trying listeners, to figure out whether or not there was room for, for our listeners. Land. Jeff and I were trying to figure out where each other were to meet, and he sent me a text message all excited that they had landed a real helicopter there. For not military a little one. Appreciation. This, this was a big military <laughs> helicopter. You were like a kid in a candy store when you saw that helicopter. Yeah, in fact, remember up. I went up to it and I started pulling on the little... Uh, so we, we ended up on the field uh, supporting uh, military and veterans' families, got them some tickets from the Heart of Sports to go to the game, and it was nice. They invited us to join them last night to help celebrate and support the people who do all the hard work for our country out there. And, and I, I advise they're going to do another one in August, and if you get a chance when you go down to Lakewood, donate to this cause. Or w- when you go to the game, they also collect goods for the military to, to send out to the care packages out to the families that are still out there so it, it, it is a it's a great cause there were a ton of troops there they, they had a lot of people from fort dix um and it was just a great night it was it was a yeah. fun night we got to see some of the players that we had talked to on a previous trip there saw will stewart again who seems who, much more comfortable who, a- who aged about 10 years he still looks the same and no young, to me but he, he didn't. seems more confident in yes. himself and, like and that's what i mean i i don't think he i when i say aged you could tell in in the seriousness of his face. He was still just as friendly, but he looked like he had been through ten seasons of baseball. And we were talking it really is a lot for them. We were talking about what it's like. He's going to be starting the minor league all star game next week. Like that's a pretty cool yeah. honor for him to have. And um, you know, it's it's always fun. I enjoy the conversations you have with some of the players when like their parents are tweeting at us at the at High Hopes Phil's account, <laughs> and then you see like their child out there they're a ball player and you're like hey your mom was retweeting or yeah, liking like yeah i posts. know <laughs> and they get all like embarrassed like yeah my my, my parents enjoy social media out there um, we're, we're giving parents an outlet not to be obnoxious so will stewart's in single a but you've yeah. got de los santos in triple a who is dealing right yep. now and there's no room for him on the major league roster because Vinny Velasquez had another pretty good game this week. Now, I know yeah. you have your opinions about him. And I've asked you because uh-huh. you still think Vinny's Vinny. Like, he does his thing for a certain amount of innings and then kind of blows up. I, I root for him, but, I, but I'm but realistic you have no faith. about him. No, I don't. I, 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 I just, for whatever reason, he doesn't repeat his mechanics enough to be consistent. And I was asking and- you, is he pitching differently this year? I'm not saying the end result well, you, is different. You, you said he's using... Different pitches. It seems like he's using his off-speed pitches a little bit more rather than just trying to overpower everybody, trying to learn how to actually be a pitcher. He's coming the game and throw gas and then get so tired mm-hmm. that he was exhausted and couldn't pitch any further. It, it seems like yeah, he's got it, the it, strength. He's just making bad pitches at times at this point. It's he a difference. goes long and counts, and he d- and until he matures enough to realize. It's okay to just get a couple ground balls and get out of an inning with six or seven pitches. It's never going to be the same. I, w- I was listening to the game 
on the radio on the way as we were going to Lakewood. As Larry Anderson And Larry was Anderson's <laughs> saying what I'm thinking, which is, you know, everybody's going, oh, my God, he made it six innings. And it's a no-hitter, and he's got 80 pitches. And Larry Anderson and, and Scott Fransky says, you know, at some point – Gabe Kapler's going to have a difficult decision to make. And Larry Anderson goes, no, he isn't. There's no way he can go nine innings the way he throws 15 to 20 pitches. Mm-hmm. And he's right. Then it, he gave up two runs and they took him out. Right. Gave up a hit. He gave up two up runs a, on one hit. hit and, and then they took him out. Uh, the Iron Pigs are three and a half games up in the International League, still playing good ball. Um, anything you're seeing there that disappoints you, surprises you? No. They, Roman Quinn's still recovering. Ben Lively pitched... Uh, in a start there the other night, he pitched well. Pitched well. Yeah. Um, Eshelman is still struggling. He's, um, but the, to me, the big the big disappointment is not being able to see Roman Quinn because he's electric. But with regard to the rest of the team, it's a bunch of people in holding patterns in case someone gets injured. Uh, let's go to Reading. Fighting uh, yeah. Phils are starting to hit and pitch better. They'll be ready for the second half. Your thoughts before we play our interview with manager Greg Legg? Anything to still, intro that? Still, the, still one of the best places to see a game. You know, it, it, when we were there, it was a military uh, appreciation. Yeah, you'll all hear that in the interview. Uh, you'll hear the planes fly you'll, over. Yeah, and, the, and these are World War II bombers that are flying over as we're interviewing on, a, on again a perfect day for baseball. But Greg Legg. I think everybody will really enjoy the interview we have with Greg. And it's fun because, you know, we, we asked him about it. He's been in the organization since the 80s. He was a player. He was Darren Dalton's minor league teammate. In 83, and we mm-hmm. asked him about that. So here you go. We have his interview. We're here at uh, Reading Stadium, First Energy uh, Stadium, with Greg Legg. Greg, thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Jeff. So, Greg, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you ended up with Reading this year? Well, I've, in, in the offseason, uh, Joe Jordan called me and says, hey, you we're going to send you back to writing. <laughs> That's pretty much it. Uh, you know, it's it's a good gig. It's it's a, a great baseball town's fun. We have a blast here. We get treated great. The players or fans are here. It's a great environment. So you've been with the Phillies organization for how many years? I, I lose track. In 1982 was the first year as a player. Is that when you were drafted with the Phillies? I was drafted a uh, real low pick. It was 22nd round and uh, kind of had a goal of, Man, if I can just play one more year uh, from day one, uh, I want to do this one more year, one more year, one so, more year. So I'm going to test your memory. Where were you when you found out that you were drafted? I was in South Duran, Oklahoma, and uh, still living in an apartment. It was uh, kind of low-income apartment and uh, waiting for that day. It was, I was about to leave school and go home. And uh, I got drafted in the 22nd round and signed my contract in, in a classroom. How'd you find out? Did, did someone call they, you? Yeah, they called me. So you signed, you signed, and then you went straight to where? Went all the way from Durant to Duncan to Oklahoma City. The next day, took a flight to Helena, Montana. And in about 10 days, I was in the Carolina League. And uh, we were called the Peninsula Pilots. They don't even exist anymore, nope, do they? Nope. Uh, it was in... The town we lived in was Newport News. I think the was in Hampton, Virginia, Carolina League. And, and so eventually you made your way up to this stadium as a player. I did. I did. It was a lot different back then, a lot different. In fact, it was the very next year I was here in 1983. And were you also a teammate with Darren Dalton? I was uh, in both years. So and, what was it like to play with Darren Dalton? And I think Juan Samuel was here also yes, that year? Yes, he was. Uh, they were, we were all on that team in the Carolina League which 
I could be wrong. In the Carolina League, that team won 95 games or 96. And, and again, the following year, it was here, it was 95 or 96 wins. A couple of really good teams. And Darren Dalton was the best teammate I ever had. Uh, he treated you like a brother. Uh, he took care of you. He made sure you were all right, gave you uh, love, sugar, whatever you needed. He, he was just a leader. And that continued throughout his, his days with the Phillies. So you think he had that leadership quality even early on? In 1982, he had it. It was unbelievable. That's, I mean, I was a kid that never, you know, had no idea about pro ball. And <clears throat> he took me in that very year and he did the same for everybody. If you messed with me, you had to mess with Darren. If you messed with you guys, if you were on the team, you had to mess with Darren. It was uh, just great leadership qualities right from the beginning. And who was your manager when you were here? Bill Dancy. How was that? What was that like having him as a manager? <laughs> There's some great stories I could tell about Bill. Uh, Give us the best I was one. Actually you got. At, I was actually at his last wedding. Uh, well, the be best one, you might have to believe me, but the very first <laughs> night, I mean, I've, I finally get a uniform. I make it to, to the Peninsula Pilots. I get there, and it's the 10th inning, and uh, Jeff Stone hits one off the wall to win the game one to nothing. And so I haven't met anybody yet. So I walk in the clubhouse and I go, hey, coach, uh, I'm, I'm Greg Legg, your new player. And he goes, I'm nobody's coach and slams. But he used a couple of more choice <laughs> words and slammed the door on me. Man. <laughs> they, in pro ball, you don't call anybody coach. Right. But in high school and college, everybody's coach Legg, coach Smith, coach whatever. And, and I referred to him as coach for the very first day, you know. And, He'd slam the door on me. So now that you're managing here, has anybody called you coach? I had well in the lower levels. Uh -huh. You know, when I was in rookie ball and and things like that, Lakewood, you know, Williamsport, and then you just I was a little nicer than Bill was. <laughs> <laughs> What's it like to come back here now as manager when you came through here as a player in your younger years? Oh, it's uh, well they've changed this environment so much. Uh, this used to be a really big park. Uh, bought in travel the fans weren't here you know as much you know now you're packing houses and it was uh, smaller crowds now they've uh, I like to say it it's my own way they make it a carnival atmosphere here where everywhere you go there's a chance to have fun buy something to eat buy something to drink entertainment uh, throughout the night from pitch one to even an hour and a half after the game with with the bands and everything so they've turned this into well and don't forget the crazy hot dog van oh my god they i i believe i saw the very first day he was here back uh might have been uh 2002 three or four you know when my first time managing here you've been with this organization since you said 1982 what's kept you with the phillies organization this long well i i like I said earlier, I was, you know, if I can just do this one more year in a lot of one year contracts, but I, honestly, uh, I've never been treated better. Uh, it's like uh, the family atmosphere uh, that was started from day one with guys like Darren Dalton and Bill Dancy uh, and ownership. And, you know, there's so many names I could throw at you. They just treated me <clears throat> and my family as if we were all blood. And, you know, I've, I had a couple of chances to, to leave at other times and and none of them just felt right and and so I, I've I'm happy to have had my whole career here it's it's been a uh, a great journey now now you're with a double-a team this is 
for a lot of people, this is kind of where they kind of sink or swim. What's it like to manage those kids and the expectations that they have for themselves and, and what they think teams have for them? Well, you know, if we can get them to not put pressure on themselves and just let the themselves come out, we usually get the best player. Uh, and those are usually the ones that, like you said earlier, if they, if they can play here, and we tell them that, we teach them that. If you can play in double-A and have success, you got a legitimate chance to play in the big leagues. And we've seen that the last few years uh, with what's been going on here in Reading with, you know, Hoskins and, and that crew, uh, those guys playing and pitching here and having success, they're all there now. And a couple of them, uh, Walding, uh, Kingery, were here last year. And uh, Sir Anthony was here just this year. So it's a, it's a great time to be a Philly, and, and we're going to send a lot of players there and win a lot of games. Here you have to not only educate the players and make sure that they develop, but people around here, Reading, want you to win. <laughs> so how do you – now, I've gotten different answers and some rough answers, including from uh, your colleague Gary Jones <laughs> a couple weeks ago. What do you do to manage those two things? Because they don't always seem to be the same thing. Well, you're exactly right. Uh, what, what Shrinky and I and the coaches here try to do as much as we can is get them in an environment, and if they get in that environment, try to leave them in it. And the other night we had a, an example would be Killame was six and two-thirds innings, uh, guy on third, we're winning by one run, uh, left-handed hitters up, got a left-hander warming up. You, we can't set that stage for Franklin Killame every time he pitches. So he's in this moment. So we both decide, let's let him get this guy out, see what happens, because we can't teach that. We can't, we can't invent it. You, you, you may only get there three more times this year if you're lucky for that particular player. We let him pitch. Uh, unfortunately, it was a wild pitch uh, involved. The game's tied. But, you know, he got that moment. And if we can get these kids in that moment to prepare them for the big leagues, I think we win in the long run, whether you won the game or not. What's it like to balance, you know, you've had a lot of movement on the roster, players going up to AAA, players coming up from single A to double A and making impacts immediately. How do you balance that as a manager where you get the players to the point where they're so successful that they move on, but then at the same time, you've got a hole in your locker room that's going to be filled by somebody new coming in? I think you, you got to remember that's what the players want. You know, they, they show up here to, to move up, and that's probably the greatest thing we get as coaches. The, it's the best thing we get to do, tell you, hey, you're, you got called up to AAA, or you get called up to the big leagues, or, you know, the other part as a manager, you know, you get to do the bad part too, and which, so that's, that's just a great joy. It's one that I've never tried to hold a guy back. I've, I've actually called and said he's ready. Uh, and sometimes they leave them here longer, and sometimes they don't, wherever I was at. Uh, that's what we're doing this for. So it's the best feeling we get when we're sending them up. I was going to say, what's that feeling like when you bring somebody in your locker room and you say, it's your chance now, you're it's, going up? It's, it's really good. Uh, uh, only I haven't got to tell too many guys are going to the big leagues yet, but Drew Anderson, I got to tell him last year, and that was uh, just awesome. And, and guys like Walding and Kingery, when you get to see them, in their first big league at bats, then and there's more years past that you, you just sit in your chair and and kind of you're so proud of them, and it's kind of, you get to share the moment with them in a way, uh, but it's their moment, 
it's just one it's probably the best thing you get better than the paycheck you know it's 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 our ultimate hive for lack of a better word you're basically like a proud parent when you see him make it that's a great way to put it i wish i would have said that <laughs> but next interview yeah but it's uh it's it's just a something you can't find you can't buy it you can't you can't go get it you it's one of the moments that it's really unforgettable it's 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 priceless We'd like to talk about more than just what happens on the field, on the show. Um, can you talk about, we know it's important for you to be involved with the community and, and giving back yourself, your family. Can you tell us a little bit about what that's like and, and why you get so involved as you do? Well, you, you know, they did one here in Reading the other day. They opened a brand new facility for uh, some unfortunate kids. Uh, I don't know what it's called. That was a great, our whole team went to it, the brand new stadium. Uh, Scott could tell you more about it. that was just a great day back home uh, I try to give out a scholarship uh, personally but my wife has this one charity the ladies in pink that's just tremendous uh, for uh, uh, breast cancer and, and they just have uh, it's grown from I think the first time they had 150 people there to like now they have like 3,000 and uh, it's been going on for a long time and it's just a bonus that we get something that we can do and and I, I tip my hat to all the people that do stuff like that because it takes a, uh, a lot of effort and, uh, and it's your free time. My wife gives a lot of her free time for that. And I usually end up being at home by myself uh, with the kids. Uh, and that's, that's awesome too. Do you have any kids that play baseball or softball? I, I do not. They've all, they're all older. My son just graduated from Penn State. Congratulations. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was awesome. I was in May. So I, I got to go to that. Uh, just a great, great, I was proud of that. So in addition to being a proud papa with your own kids and the players, I just wanted to ask you, what was it like for yourself, not only when you were drafted, but but also the moment that you get, saw your first baseball card? Because I read somewhere <laughs> that, that your first baseball card was actually a Scranton baseball card. No. No? Uh, 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 if, well, getting drafted was I was in panic mode right I, I hadn't quite finished my degree and uh, still haven't by the way my wife's all over me but she's in education I was going to be a teacher and a coach and I'd went uh, four years at southeastern Oklahoma State and I had struggled a little bit my freshman year but got it together and it was day two of the draft and I was like well what am I going to do now you know so you're trying to think of what you're going to do and then I got the call and it was it was just awesome. It was a great feeling. Uh, when did it? you see? Your, when did you see your first baseball? Well, card? my first baseball card was the '83 Redding card, and it was black and white. So that's how old I am. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't in color. It was in black and white. And you still have it? I I think I, a fan. You know, back then they give you like a, a card set of the whole team, and then they give you like 25 of your own, something like that. Yeah. And it was in a little case that was nice and no bubble gum in it no bubble gum and <laughs> i went home and you know i had the one of the group i uh, wish i still had that set because there's a lot of great players in there and a lot of good friends uh so i left it at home and then the next year went away and, and when i came back my dad had given them all away to his buddies <laughs> you know so so i didn't have any more but a couple of years uh back uh, a fan had me sign one of those and and i said something in fact oh my you know relishing about the memory of it and 
and he, and he goes, well, do you have one? I go, no, and he happened to have another one, and he gave it to me. So. That's great. Yeah. The black and white part was the hilarious part. You should, you should show that to your players sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> Here's my yeah. first card. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks so much for the time. We really appreciate it and look forward to talking to you again. My, ple- my pleasure. Thank you. That was Reading Phillies double-A coach Greg Legg, the third win- winningest coach in Reading's history who got his 300th win or won his 300th game in Reading this week, Jeff. He, he's now the third winningest coach in Reading history. I and a really good guy. You know, it's there were so many parts of that interview that were fun with him. Uh, the black and white baseball card <laughs> was definitely enjoyable. Which I did look up because <clears> I'm, <throat> I'm going 1983. Come on, they didn't have black and white cards. But you found it. it. Found it. It's black and white. It's black it, and white. It's blue around the sides, but it, it, his picture is in black and white. Um, I did not know that you're not supposed to call your manager coach. Me neither. And you actually were a manager. <laughs> yeah, but I, it was kids. This this appears to be a major league. It seemed like he said that thing. you know up to like single A they call them coach, and then all of a sudden a double A. And then, then you're well, then you're supposed to know better. Well, so so I don't know why it is, but I, I'm not going to question. it. I know better now than to call any of them and, coach. And the look on his face, it was it was clear <laughs> that whatever Bill Dancy said, it w- it wasn't PG. Also <laughs> interesting, given that the Phillies honored the '93 team this past weekend, to hear his stories about Darren Dalton as a leader back when he got there. From the get-go. He, the de- he just he said that it was in him. It, it's not something that he learned to do, that he was a leader from the time that he walked into that clubhouse. The Phillies really have some great leadership on their teams in the minor leagues. You're going to be heading out to Williamsport with Alex, and they have Pat Borders out there managing that team. So, I mean, if you look at the managers, they really have some people that are really doing good things with their young players. So the question will be, if we if we interview Pat, will it be another situation? Because have you noticed that when we interview the the players, they all seem to be ready, like the, like somebody's the told managers. Them. They don't tell the, them. The, I, I have a theory <laughs> that that the managers just don't want to be bothered. So what they do is they kind of just drop it on them, just as as we get there and say, hey, by the way, you're doing an interview. And because maybe just found out they had to talk to you and they they weren't happy about it. But 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 they always turn out to be fun. Yes. Because like even before we started, Greg Greg said, "Look, I'll I'll do it, um, but I don't want you asking me this, this, and this." And it 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 turns. And we were like, "Don't worry, we don't ask that." Yeah. (laughs) And 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 then he was he was great. I mean, he opened up. He told us lots of of good stories. So you have a challenge, okay? Because I'm not going to be with you in Williamsport, and we talked about this last night. Go ahead. Pat Borders played on the Blue Jays team that crushed my dreams as a young child. Yes. Uh, it's Father's Day weekend. I remember waking my dad up. He was sleeping. He had fallen mm-hmm. asleep in the chair. I was watching the game on TV, and I woke him up and said, Dad, Dad, we're coming back to Philly. We're coming back to Philly. And then Joe Carter happened, and we weren't coming back to Philly. <laughs> and so I need you to ask Pat Borders. He obviously has a different recollection than I do yeah. of how that went. Uh-huh. Um, talk to him about that. That must have been an I'm interesting series. I'm surprised they hired anybody from to, that team. To now be in the, the system of the team that, that, mm-hmm. that happened, I just I wonder if he has an interesting take on that. If Wasn't you get a he the MVP of, of, of one, one of those of, yeah. teams? So you'd be around some talent out there. Mm-hmm. Alex, hopefully, hopefully Alec Bohm will be up there by then. This is for Jeff's son, Alex, who's probably listening. Keep your dad in line. Let's make sure we get some good questions out of him. <laughs> Thanks. It'd be fun if Alec Bohm was out there. Give me some stock up, Jeff. Stock up. Who do you want? I don't Who know. You want to go for me. first? You make the list here. I don't know. Right, we could start with David Parkinson. Uh, the pro- <laughs> the problem is with 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 this is the Lakewood pitchers are insanely good. 
I mean, every, yeah, you don't every, even want to. You don't want to call it the farm. No, report I want to call. I want to call them the Ace Clause. I mean, they they are that good. So David Parkinson is is one of these great young pitchers, and, and Lakewood had this last year with JoJo Romero and Sixto Sanchez and that whole crew. So Sixto, David Park- by the way, who's hurt, we should mention. Yes. That happened in the last week. He's shut down for uh, a little but, bit. But there, I, I don't know how serious it is. You haven't heard any like real concerns about it. But I, but I, I wouldn't worry about it. Um, okay, so I, back I to Parkinson. Parkinson has won five of his last decisions, six decisions. His last start, he went five innings, gave up three hits, no runs, and eight strikeouts. And it's it's become like ho hum another game that Lakewood doesn't give up a run. Well, it seems like the Lakewood pitcher is going out and going top this. Like they're just going out yeah. there and competing, and you know it's it's fun to see young arms develop. Will Stewart had another great outing uh, before you know leading into the mm-hmm. the All Star break. Um, and then me- and then we have Austin Listy. So Derek Hall is leading the league at Flor at the Florida State League, which is down in Flor in Florida, obviously. He no leaves, way. He leaves Clearwater. That was profound, Jeff. Yes. <laughs> He leaves Clearwater, gets promoted to Reading, and Austin Listy comes in, and he's batting 344. He has nine home runs, 45 RBIs, and he has a 1.013 OPS. Last 50 seconds. Tell me about our, our first-round pick. So people who haven't heard the name Adam Hazley le- recently, keep in mind he's doing fine. His last 10 games, he's batting 319, and he's batting close to 300. He's batting 296. For, for our season. listeners, by the way, Jeff preaches patience with young players. Some people on Twitter don't like that very much. Tell me about Mickey Moniak. Speaking of patience, <laughs> um, he was off for a week. Nobody knows why. Um, but last night he came back. He was three for four with three RBIs, and he's now batting 385 over his last 10 games. All right. Uh, we'll be patience. back. We're going to come back next week. We'll have more interviews from when we're out Reading. We'll talk more about your trip out to Williamsport. Any final thoughts? I'm really looking forward to this weekend with the U.S. Open and probably not watching a lot of World Cup. Everybody have a great Father's Day. Thank you so much for listening this week to High Hopes, the Phillies minor league rundown. Join us next Friday night. Start your weekend in style. Have a great one. Bye-bye.